Welcome to CII Podcasts. Well, hello everybody. This is Pranjal Sharma and I'll be hosting this episode of the CII Podcast for you. And the topic of discussion is smart manufacturing in India. Manufacturing processes across industries are undergoing a rapid transformation as fully integrated collaborative manufacturing systems, intensive usage of data and analytics, integration of IT and operational technology gain prominence. Smart manufacturing or industry 4.0 has taken center stage and is revolutionizing the manufacturing sector at a very rapid pace. Now, how can this adoption uh, help increase the competitive edge of businesses, especially when even policymakers are are focusing and emphasizing uh, manufacturing opportunities in India? And how can industry 4.0 be leveraged for that? So let's get in a, an expert to talk about this. Uh, I'll be in conversation with Dilip Sani, Managing Director of Rockwell Automation India. Uh, Dilip is responsible for leading Rockwell Automation's India business, developing the market, creating partnerships and building a team that sells customers across industries uh, and across the country as well. And Dilip has more than three decades of experience in industrial automation and healthcare technology industries. He is also the co-chair of CII's Smart Manufacturing Council and has represented the industry at several stakeholder interventions. Thanks for making time today, Dilip. My pleasure to be here with you today, Franjal. You know that more than three decades of industrial automation, but it also means that I'm sure what the changes you saw in the in the first 20 years and what you're seeing in the last 10 years must be the pace must be really uh, fascinating in terms of you know even surprising the experts in the industry uh, from your perspective and your experience uh, you know can you give us a sense of what you have seen and how you are interpreting the change that's that's a great perspective pranjal i can tell you this you know when you put the question in that manner it makes me feel old <laughs> but 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 jokes apart when i got started and I think I'm pretty blessed to have been associated with, uh, you know, the Indian manufacturing industry, particularly from, you know, an industrial automation, what we call as smart manufacturing and industry 4.0 now. Um, you know, I've, I've had a ringside view of how the Indian industry uh, itself has progressed and also the adoption of technology and the manner in which the industry is transforming, right? Uh, industry 4.0 happened much more recently, but you know, I think when I started uh, my career, when I cut my teeth, you know, it was really the peak of what was the industry uh, 3.0, uh, you know, in India at that point in time, right? You know, where the usage of of uh, you know computing in industry, right? You know, was 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 really uh, you know picking up uh, pace there, right? You know, there were increased usage of uh, uh, of uh, automation technologies plcs what have you right i've seen that the manner in which industry has embraced technology to innovate right and i'm saying innovation in the context of uh, uh, india right you know so uh, you may even argue that it is the frugal innovation that we've come to realize and i've had opportunities to witness this over a long time period, right? And the pace of this innovation is actually picking up, right? You know, you can literally see that. Uh, and as the uh, the industry becomes, you know, more confident, and as a nation, as we are becoming more confident, 
more assertive. We are recognizing, you know, our place in the world order. Right? You know, you can see that the manner in which we are embracing the new degrees of freedom that Industry 4.0 and smart manufacturing are offering. How can that be utilized to uh, to, to to gain the competitive edge, which is very important. Uh, that's a transformation I've had uh, an opportunity to witness during my career, Frangel. Thanks for asking me that question. I'll be happy to, to share examples as we go along. Philip, you remember we had uh, many such chats uh, when I was writing my book, India Automated. And, you know, uh, some of the work that you are doing in Rockwell Automation is doing is featured there. And uh, what I realized uh, after working on the book and talking to business leaders and technology leaders like you is that Automation doesn't need to have the negative aura about it that the way people look at it, you know, rise of robots and the fact that everybody will be out of a job. As, as a person who's working with business leaders, uh, CEOs, boards and policymakers, do you think that people are realizing that automation is actually a force for good if utilized well? I think you put it in a very good manner. There always have been, and you know, India is a very large country and there'll be all kinds of perspectives and that's perfectly all right. But what I'm seeing happen now, Pranjal, particularly in the last handful of years, I think people are becoming now much more aware of what is the eventual outcome, right? And recognizing that, you know, technology is means to an end, the end being, you know, India really becoming the, the five trillion economy and if India has to become a five trillion economy in the in the near future, next three, four, five years, then you have to have a vibrant, you know, manufacturing sector. And if you have to really build up a trillion dollar manufacturing sector, you know, you that kind of a game changing growth cannot happen till the time you have uh, globally competitive manufacturing. Now, how do you make a manufacturing sector globally competitive that can grow at that pace? right, and, uh, you know, create the millions of jobs, etc. You need to overcome a lot of complexity. How do you overcome that complexity? Particularly in these pandemic-induced times, right, you know, you have all of the disturbances, uh, supply chain-wise, etc., etc. There is no way to solve the calculus without utilizing, uh, you know, the, the, the power of technology, right? So I'm finding that the narrative is now much more shifting towards how do we com become competitive at a, uh, you know, at, at, at a national level, but eventually thinking about competitiveness at a firm level, right? Um, and, uh, you know, once you begin to look at it from that perspective, through that lens, you begin to recognize that scalability is not going to happen until the time, you know, you are, you're driving standardization, you're driving, uh, you know, uh, usage of, uh, of, of, of standard procedures. I'm just giving, you know, a few pointers, right? You have conversations with people and they're already there. Now, thanks to what the pandemic did to us is the number of organizations that now have, uh, you know, CDOs, the chief digital officers, right? You know, people who are really, really leading the transformation in their organizations, you know, to adapt technology uh, and to, 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 to really, move towards uh, you know a phase that we can call as smart manufacturing these are change agents inside of the organization they're they're having those conversations they're advising the the senior executives as well as practicing professionals so change is beginning to come about and i'm seeing that uh, the 
the narrative is is changing much more towards what i said the outcomes are you know as as you said uh, change doesn't happen suddenly um, and when you talk about industrial automation or use of technology you just can't put a machine in the on the shop floor and expect everything to change automatically which means that uh, every enterprise has to prepare for that change um, automation is embedded in a larger change process what is the advice that you give when when companies come to you uh, about uh, making this uh, step taking this step forward so the advice that i would give basically is you know do not look at technology as an end onto itself technology is basically means to an end let's talk about you know what's your business what's the the challenge that you are experiencing in your business what are the outcomes that you're trying to drive right because the you know you are out there every business is competing right and consumers uh, customers of any nature if you got a b2b company your business customers are demanding if you're a b2c customers uh, company consumers are becoming way more demanding than they were even a handful of years ago right so you're out there serving a uh, uh you know a market that's becoming much more demanding you know on the supply side you have all kinds of constraints availability of raw material availability of talent all of these things are changing quite rapidly right how do you gain a competitive edge what is the business challenge that you have if you're a if you're a consumer goods company let's let's just take an example franjal and 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 let's try and analyze right if you're a if you're a company that's uh, you know we are all consumers of packaged goods these days right uh, you know we are we used to be in a in a paradigm which was you know you, you produce uh, a few parts uh, a few skus and then you flood the market with that right and we are recognizing that the the demands of the consumers are becoming you know just so uh, they're so rapid and the the high mix of uh flavors that people are demanding the variety of uh, um you know sizing of the packages is is changing so rapidly because of constant innovation brought about by competition or brought about by consumer demand right and multi pack offerings what have you right all of a sudden you know the the demand for for highly flexible manufacturing is uh, it's 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 unprecedented almost right and then you recognize that i'm planning for today but uh, this investment is going to be for the next 10 years how do i how do i plan for some scenarios which i have not even anticipated right so you know you have to be highly consultative with the customers you know and if you do not understand their business context if you do not understand what their challenges are and if you cannot help them through their decision making stages then you really cannot be a relevant partner to them so uh, we are actually as an industry i've seen that there is a much more greater emphasis on bringing in industry domain expertise on board so people who not only are highly empathetic to the challenges that the customers are experiencing but they also possess domain expertise so they can connect with the customers you know in their language without bringing in technology jargon into it right so you know i'm seeing the need for a much more deeper level of partnering coming in genuine partnering so that you know you can work together co-innovate and find out solutions 
leveraging newer degrees of freedom, which is basically enabled by technology to overcome problems that you did not even have to face three, four, five years ago. So, you know, I know I've said a whole lot, but hopefully it's uh, the message is coming through. Context is changing and you have to change the approach, but it is not only about uh, technology. It is much more around, you know, how do you how do you leverage technology to drive the outcomes that the customers are uh, wanting to get to overcome the challenges that they're facing. Dilip, one of the concerns that comes through uh, uh, is that investing in technology, and you refer to that, uh, is is a big effort. Now, for large companies, that's a cost that can be borne. But for you know the bulk of India's manufacturing is with the small and medium industries and units who are either on their own creating products or are vendors to a larger uh, organization. What is the you know way that they can make this transition? It's a conversation and a and a concern which has been there constantly that the high capital cost of making a complete change, the potential and possible impact on on uh, the professionals, the skilled or lack of skilled labor. Uh, how do you overcome that? Because until we have that adoption at a mass scale across many of these units, the revolution that you're referring to may just remain limited to, to some of the large organizations and not really go to the, to the roots and the ground, which is where the competitive edge can emerge. Ranjal, you're so right. You know, the bulk of India's manufacturing really is in the MSME segment, right? So you you can only daydream about, uh, you know, competitiveness, but if you haven't really thought about how would the MSME sector, you know, really contribute to, you know, Indian manufacturing becoming globally competitive, you know, you won't make any difference. So analyzing the impact on the MSME sector is, is just so important. Um, you know, you touched upon all the right, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the hot button topics for them, right? You know, they don't have the deep pockets which larger organizations enjoy. They don't have the kind of, um, you know, resource pool, corporate functions like, uh, you know, corporate IT and uh, uh, chief technology officers and so forth, right? And to, uh, to, to make things even more challenging, right? You know, the pandemic has not really been very favorable for the MSME sector. The economic, um, you know, impact aside, uh, the supply chain, uh, you know, uh, challenges, you know, out of the conversations that I have, you know, it's it's really, really, you know, dealt a body blow, and you know, overall, uh, the impact of uh, supply chain disturbances has been quite non-trivial, right? Uh, I would say that uh, a couple of things need to be borne in mind, right? Uh, first of all, if you're a if you're a an MSME, right? you've got, you are a very competitive business for the state of business that you're in right now. So you've reached a certain level. Now, I want to just digress for a minute or so to underscore one important element, um, because in the um, in the future state that we are trying to envision, you know, which is um, this technology-led transformation of manufacturing, right? There is one factor which is going to be very, very important, and that factor is is data and how data forms the foundation of overcoming all the complexity uh, and, and allows you to scale up, right? Because, you know, you don't really need to go too far. We have a lot of examples even within India itself. And you've mentioned many of them in uh, 
in, in the books that you've written, right? Uh, you know, data is, is really, really helping uh, organizations gain insights of the nature that they'd never really had. And, you know, if they're able to really harness these insights, it enables them to make the right kind of decisions, right? So the, the, the thing, the, the challenge that you really have is how do you go about acquiring this data, right? So the, the infrastructure around acquiring the manufacturing oriented data is a, a bit of a question mark when it comes to, you know, a high percentage of the, uh, uh, of, of the MSME uh, manufacturers, right? So, so you need to, and that kind of goes back to my previous comment on industry 3.0, because, you know, we kind of like missed out on that, uh, that wave, right? Uh, so we need to really be very mindful about, uh, you know, making the right kind of investments so that that data is, uh, is is liberated from the machines, right? So that it can be brought up to the enterprise level and that can then be, you know, harnessed to derive the insights that you must have in order to drive, uh, you know, better level of decision-making. That's one aspect of it. The other thing also, which is, uh, which is equally important is if you are a typical MSME, you know, what's made you successful is, uh, you know, uh, you were quick in decision making, you know, you had, uh, you know, one or maybe very few decision makers who were locally available in the plant, right, you know, who could take decisions on the spot and, um, and, and thus you were very agile and that was uh, part of the success formula, right. But uh, if, if you have to grow, then you have to really scale up, right. And one of the things that I, uh, you know, often come across is, you, what's the use in having data and gathering all of those insights if you cannot get into the, uh, in, into, uh, you know, a, a paradigm of, uh, you know, fact-based decision making or decisions that are driven by insights, and not necessarily decisions that are concentrated with a very small number of decision makers who are deciding by their experience, right? And that's a bit of a cultural thing, Pranjal, but I think it's a very, very important aspect as well. So, you know, we're talking about A, the role of technology and making sure that the data that drives insights, that data is liberated from the machines, it gets exposed, uh, you know, so that you can derive the right insights. So, you know, we can handle that by technology, but there's also a, a cultural and a people aspect to it, which I just tried to allude to. And then the third thing, of course, is like, you know, you have to also bear in mind that you need to also align your, your working processes. If you want to be a much more agile and an end-to-end -end optimized, uh, uh, you know, enterprise, then you have to be very willing to uh, let go of what has made you successful in the past and be, be willing to, you know, redefine, re-engineer the working processes, right? And, uh, you know, become a little bit open-minded around considering nothing to be a, a, a holy cow, right? You know, that everything is up for change because you're trying to optimize for a future state, right? So so all three aspects, right? You know, technology, uh, people, and, and, and the cultural aspect, and lastly, processes, they need to be reimagined. And I think uh, uh, MSMEs in particular, they need a lot of hand-holding. And, uh, you know, as I, uh, as I tell you later, things that we are trying to drive here at the CII Smart Manufacturing Council, right, you know, there are, there's a lot of that that we are trying to actually enable through the uh, through the work that's going on over there. I was about to come to that, Dilip. 
India needs unique solutions. Indian businesses need unique solutions. So uh, I'm sure you know you are delving deep into your experience and creating unique ideas uh, for for the needs of Indian manufacturing units. Can you share some of the work uh, or or new models or innovations that Rockwell has done in India? So. Uh... Yeah, first of all, uh, coincidentally, we are about to finish four decades uh, of our existence in India. Next year is our 40th year of being in India. And sometimes that, uh, you know, people feel very surprised because uh, 40 years ago, you wouldn't have associated an Indian automation uh, and industrial automation company, uh, you know, uh, operating uh, in, in India. But, uh, you know, it's given us a, a ringside view as an organization. Um, you know, a very high percentage of our customers, uh, you know, specific to Rockwell Automation, something between 85, 87%, uh, you know, of our revenues actually come from customers that are indigenous Indian companies, companies that call India as the headquarters, right? Uh, which, which is, you know, uh, it actually makes me personally quite, uh, uh, quite proud that we've managed to make ourselves relevant to a a wide range of customers across multiple industries. Um, but anyhow, the things that we're trying to innovate towards, kind of like going to a previous comment that I made about making ourselves relevant to the industries that we are trying to serve, is we are trying to bring on board a lot of people who can be a part of not the delivery organization, but be a part of our, our uh, a market engagement pre-sales organization, not as sales resources, but domain experts who are embedded in the selling organization. Why is that important? Uh, we are actually actively bringing people who've worked in the industry. These are not automation professionals. These are people, you know, who work in, say, a pharmaceutical company uh, or a, or an automotive company on the line side so that they've actually dirtied their hands. They've seen what are the, the pressures and what are the challenges um, that uh, the manufacturers are encountering, right? So when they come in and they actively collaborate with people who are already quite good at technology, right? And then they are out there as a part of the organization that engages the market, they can become a lot more relevant. So, you know, we've been actually actively investing in creating teams which are very specific to to industries or uh, very specific to segments of machinery builders or equipment manufacturers. There's a lot of automation, as you know, goes in through um, equipments, right? You know, uh, process kits or, or uh, you know, packaging uh, machines, et cetera, et cetera, that eventually go in, uh, you know, into, uh, you know, end use factories and so forth, right? Uh, so, so one of our big learnings has been uh, the biggest investment you can do is actually create a capacity for our customers to consume this technology and that cannot happen if you don't blend the technology with domain expertise. And we are doing that uh, by creating, uh, you know, uh, reusable use cases. Uh, we are doing that, like I said, by bringing on board uh, domain experts who know how technology can actually help you meet the challenges. Um, one of the other things that we've also done is um, is we created uh, an experience zone. Uh, you know, it, I, I think it is important for people to come in and experience 
what a future state might look like where you can use technology and rid yourself off of many of the challenges that you are encountering in your current state or in your legacy states, right? And that you cannot only describe in words and uh, you cannot do that through PowerPoint pitches and so forth, right? So we, we felt that there was an active need It came out of our, uh, you know, interactions with customers and so forth, right? Is to, is to bring people in into an experience zone so that they can get a sense of, okay, you know, this is how I can actually make two equipments sync up with each other without necessarily having to tie them together, right? You know, mechanically, right? Now, how do you demonstrate that? If it is working, it is easy for people to, to actually understand that, right? Number of these use cases in the experience zone. So I'm giving you a peep into, you know, what goes through our minds is how do we make ourselves relevant uh, to decision makers at every level, at the at the C level, right? Uh, you know, CXOs, uh, or also at the uh, plant manager level, right? You know, so so appealing to their unique sensibilities, their pressures uh, from from their lives, and then trying to create uh, you know an ability to relate to them, so that it becomes easy for them to to then consume the technology that we bring to the market. So I know I've I've, I've tried to cover a whole lot of things, but uh, you know I'm very passionate about it, and there's a lot going on. So I'm just trying to give you a peek through what goes through our minds. Uh, but India is a strategic market, Pranjal, as you know, for us, has been for a number of years. And uh, we feel that we are only getting started. There's a lot of work to be done. Finally, Dilip, I, I want to talk about some of the work you referred to with the CII Smart Manufacturing Council. And I'll also link it to the previous statement you made about handholding the MSMEs. Now, at one level, you suggest that MSMEs need some support. At the same, at the same uh, time, we see a lot of uh, interesting push from the government and support from the government to mandate use of technology in, in the country for manufacturing and efficient competitive manufacturing. What are new models that you're looking at uh, through CII or initiatives uh, uh, from CII on supporting uh, both the MSMEs? Uh, for example, do we need new financing models for, for them to be able to, you know, adopt technology with least cost and least effort for them and you know making it worthwhile for them uh, are there any other ways for example preparing for automation and technology means you have to skill people invest in skilling or reskilling uh, to ensure that if one set of people are are made redundant they find value valuable work in another category because you know we need to have this uh, transition uh, period for them so CII has a very important role as a bridge between the industry, uh, the players, the individual companies, and the government as well. And as the head of the council, what what are the initiatives that you think would really be important for us to understand? Uh, that's that, that's a great question, uh, Pranjal. Let me just break it up into two parts, right? Let me first of all try and um, try and share with you my perspective, which I think is is. Is, is very representative of what's going on, you know, uh, you know, within uh, all of us, you know, who are trying to steer the CIS Smart Manufacturing Council as well, as to what does it take for us not to take a firm, but take an entire industry? And how do you, how do you transform that into a paradigm which is smart manufacturing, right? So, you know, to bring about such a strategic shift, 
you need a holistic approach you know there's a there is there are a lot of ingredients that go into that recipe crunch right you know you need government and policy support um, you know which is what you were pointing towards as well and i'll talk a little bit about it uh, technology of course has a core central role to play in that but uh, it's not just a single firm you know uh, manufacturing as you know is an ecosystem thing and an entire ecosystem has to evolve together so and when, when you're talking about an ecosystem uh, you know evolving together the role of standards becomes very very important so you know you need to think about standards otherwise you're going to just continue to run into roadblocks and stumbling blocks which will not allow you to uh, to to have a smooth uh, uh, growth right and then uh, lastly you also need a platform to, uh, to uh, should i say bring all the best practices together so that you can propagate those best practices uh, you know in a, in a very smooth manner uh, which eventually makes adoption of these these uh, practices a lot more faster right and uh, you know once people have the ability to to touch and feel and see and interact their propensity to adopt these practices you know gets uh, significantly amplified so that's kind of like the uh, the 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 philosophy that uh, has gone in in terms of uh, you know creating the uh, uh the, the the playbook that we are trying to build out at the CIS smart manufacturing council our objectives really within the council very simple really speaking one is you know at a at a high level at a, at, at an you know coming from a top down perspective right at a national level you know we consider that it is very important for us to have a uh, a way and an engagement with the line ministries as well as with the state governments right so both at the 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 central level as well as at the state level we are creating uh, engagement possibilities with the right decision makers uh, so that we can not only take a point of view to them but we can also enable them to uh, and and partner with them and guide them on doing what they want to do because everyone eventually wants to improve manufacturing so you know uh, influencing policies is, is is clearly one area which which is which is very important for us um you touched upon another important element which is around uh, skills right skilling is very important you know you're not only talking about um people you know one of the 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 easiest stumbling blocks to imagine is if you introduce new technology in the workplace where work pressures are already very high if you haven't really put efforts into uh, helping the workforce you know embrace that technology be comfortable with that it's going to get very quickly rejected right you wouldn't even know the reasons you know why the investments in technology got rejected but it will right so so the efforts have to go in so the people are feeling comfortable with that technology they have skills to um, uh, to, to, to to utilize them that's uh, you know very very important uh, you know element for us uh, but you know if if technology needs to get implemented you need um, you need a set of players you need uh, uh you know the uh, uh service providers or technology providers you know who can actually help uh, manufacturers as i said you know these are msme companies they they don't have uh, uh, a deep pool of people who can just come in and, and and deploy these technologies so you need credible solution providers and uh, you know as the smart manufacturing council what we are trying to to also do is is create a uh, you know a, a repository of who these people are onboard them and list them and uh, you know just give confidence to people 
uh, who are uh, manufacturers or, or the companies that these service providers have the right credentials to help them, right? We've also uh, realized, and I gave you an example when I was talking about our own experience center, is there is a lot of um, advantage in having, um, you know, in, in giving people an experience of going through such demo centers or, or experience zones. So what we are trying to do is, we are actually going around the country and trying to partner with, um, with, with such centers wherever they exist. We're calling it the string of pearls approach, right? Across the country, um, you know, if you can bring, you know, six, eight, 10 different uh, demo centers on board and uh, run a program so that we have the ability to access these, right? Uh, that gives you the ability to then bring, uh, you know, the, the, the CII member companies or these uh, uh, the, these manufacturers into those experience zones and, and, and give them a whole different way of visualizing the impact they can bring about in their own businesses, right? Uh, and lastly, you need change agents within these companies, right? So we are also introducing certification courses, which we are doing with very credible parties, right? You know, we are doing it uh, with uh, the likes of DUV and so forth around, uh, uh, you know, industry 4.0 assessors, right? I already spoke about the fact that, uh, you know, uh, we consider that building standards is very important. We're trying to facilitate the development of these standards, working with the, uh, the, the right stakeholders. So there's really a whole lot of work that is going on at that level, right? Um, one thing which is very, very critical is to create a, a smart manufacturing platform, right? So all of these, you know, we're talking about an ecosystem, there are service providers, there are technology companies, we spoke about the demo centers, there are the, the eventual consumers that we wish to serve, which are the manufacturers. So, you know, we are, we are, we are bringing everyone together on a common platform and we call it as the CII smart manufacturing platform. This was uh, launched very recently, just prior to the the, the pandemic setting in, uh, it was uh, actually formally launched in, uh, uh, in in November 2019. Uh, and what it is, is basically uh, an industry-led initiative, right? You know, which brings all of these various capabilities on one common platform. Also gives us the ability, Pranjal, to engage with, you know, other, you know, like-minded countries, right? You know, who are also thought leaders in their own right. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of industry 4.0 adoption, uh, the first country we brought on board was uh, was uh, Germany, and we had a platform level engagement with them. Singapore has signed up as well, and we absolutely intend to to keep growing these uh, these relationships. And what it does is, at a platform level, it someone is coming in to the CIS smart manufacturing platform has the ability to look at what are the best practices you know, which some of these other countries are adopting, right? You know, so it, it becomes then a platform to platform, uh, you know, engagement approach, right? And there are multiple different capabilities that are getting built out, uh, you know, just as we speak. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a start, it's been a credible start. Um, you know, we, we felt that it is important to make it real uh, for the companies that we wish to serve and we've actually listed a number of case studies that's gone uh, into uh, uh, mid 50s uh, level 50, 55 odd case studies that we already have up on the platform, right? 
so it's a real thing and i will encourage uh, you know all the audience that's listening in uh, you know at the end we can provide uh, all the information related to the to how to access this but i would invite everyone to come in and take a look uh, and uh, uh, and 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 you know just just get engaged and uh, you know assess for themselves uh, you know the kind of impact that we're trying to bring about take a pause over there and i'll i'll, I'll see if uh, if this is what you were wanting to ask me okay dilip no that's that's a very comprehensive view you've shared uh, i think the idea uh, of of creating an experience center is brilliant because it gives a very visual proof of concept to those who may have concerns or may not understand issues of uh, industrial automation technology 4.0 industry 4.0 so i think that's a wonderful approach and i think the way you uh, you know woven the the intersection of government policy making and industry adoption is fantastic we've come to the end of our podcast now dilip but thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and we wish you a lot of success in the endeavors that you're doing to make sure that india becomes even more competitive in its manufacturing using technology you know what pranjal while i appreciate that but i cannot let you go i have to inflict a question on you the reason for that is very simple pranjal you know uh, i've always admired not only your knowledge but more than that your passion around uh, this technology led uh, transformation Uh, that's going on uh, across the board in industry but manufacturing in particular you've already written two books about it and i i thought i should reverse the roles and ask you one question from my side is uh, is this where does your passion come from uh, you know around uh, around technology and the impact of technology uh, on the industry particularly manufacturing i think dilip uh, thank you for the question i i have a you know background in interpreting economic policy but i soon realized that any acceleration in economic growth and development will need the fuel of technology and therefore you should not be looking at them separately so i think economic growth industrial development and technology are so close and tied together that i think all public discourse has to keep them together uh this means that policy makers academia uh you know thought leaders uh business leaders have to come together to say that we cannot look at these changes uh in a isolated way especially when you want to bring hundreds of millions of people to a higher tra- trajectory of growth and if you don't keep the technology piece at the center of it i think we will fail so that's that's what's Uh, driving my interest in it and the fact that we have to contribute our best in every way possible to this discourse and to the implementation on ground very well said now i think uh, technology at the center and and also not forgetting about the actual execution which is what you called as the implementation yeah now thank you so Perfect. much Jinnip, thank you so much and thank you for that question it was really unique to have uh, you know have somebody question me but yeah uh, It, it makes for for a fantastic conversation. Look forward to uh, more such conversations with you, Dilip. Bye. Likewise. Love it. Thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to CII podcasts.